share with you um, my thoughts for the week. And I want you to take this um, really seriously in consideration. And the title of the message is that you're hidden and secured. We live in a world that right now you're going to see things that are possibly have the potential to shake your heart. You're going to wonder what's going on. But at some point, you have to become your greatest ally. You have to become your greatest friend. You've got to go to the scriptures, and you have to begin to identify who you are in Christ Jesus so that these things do not affect you. Because if you can be shaken, you'll be shaken. But we live in a kingdom that's not shaken. So why then are we shaken if the kingdom that we live in is not shaken? So I want to make sure you understand that the more that you give your life to the meditation of the scriptures, the more you will secure yourself in faith. So in Psalms 18, verse 28, the word reads, You, Lord, and I want you to see the recognition. The psalmist writes, I know my source. And he says, it's you, Lord. You keep my lamp burning. My God, you turn my darkness into light. And with your help, I can advance against the troop. And with my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. And I want you to check the next portion. He shields all who take refuge in him. See, this is a place where the believer, the believer must become your greatest friend and ally. You see, Rachel, as much as we love each other, cannot enter into rest for me because I can have a night where I'm very troubled and disturbed and she's out in three seconds when she puts her head to the pillow. And there's some evenings where I, I fall asleep quickly and she's disturbed. And it goes to prove that though we have partners in life, there's certain things you have to do on your own. You have to be accountable for your own rest. And what I mean by that is entering into the secret place. And that is going to require some discipline within your life to stop long enough. And in the face of any darkness... You shield yourself by hiding yourself within the scripture. I pray in Jesus' name that we all learn to identify what this really means. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms are now strengthened that I can bend the bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. And your right hand sustains me for your help makes me great. 
Now, you have to identify, and what I'm working on very diligently within my own life is to work on reading the Word and entering into the Word by putting myself in that Word. I've got to see this Word as being my Word, His promise, but also my decree. Because once I believe this Word enough, it will easily flow from the river that flows out of my heart. And you'll hear it in my mouth. In other words, you can stand up at any point and say, I will fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. But that's not common if there's no time with him in meditation. You may not recognize, but in the course of your day, you meditate on a lot of things within yourself. And nobody knows your secret life but you. And in most cases, we don't even recognize the secret life that we have because we've been doing it all of our life. The scripture says, though, you have the power to transform the way you think by putting your eyes in this word and hiding yourself within the promises of this word until it becomes so rich in you, it becomes an overflow reaction to everything that you face. So a bad, re a bad report comes your way, you throw up your hands and you'll say, no weapon formed against me has any power to move any further than what it already has. As a matter of fact, in Jesus' name, you'll stop right now. You see, if you don't believe that, you'll never say it. So I'm working on me, and I'm encouraging you to come with me. So we commanded in Psalms 91.5, for you and I should never be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by the day. But you know what? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of turmoil within the life of the believers. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of things that go on in our life. But I'm commanded that I should not be afraid. There's nothing in this life that should make me afraid because of who I hide myself in. The word goes on to say, you should never even worry about any kind of demonic attack. Yet the church is always concerned about the dark attack, the dark attack, the devil, the devil, the demons, the forces of darkness. The word says you shouldn't even give worry to that attack. You shouldn't give no place to the fear of, 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 of fear or death. Even if it's coming against you, it has no power over you. Jesus stripped it of its power. So I, I, don't, I don't, you know, listen, if a demon manifests itself, whether around you, in the culture, just resist it in Jesus' name, and the Bible says it flees. You don't have to make no show. It ain't no big deal. Just shut up. Stop it. Well, who do you think you are? I'm Dwayne Bland, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and power, and I know my rights. Shut up and get out. Now, you have to recognize it first and know what you're dealing with, but I want you to know you can recognize it. So what we're called to do is enforce Jesus' victory over the darkness. You are to be the one who comes against the darkness instead of the darkness coming against you. So as children of God in this world, we're promised that we are the sheltered ones. 
We're spoiled. We're cared for. We're loved. We, we, you know, it's like a parent just gloating over their children. That's what God does for us. And the Bible says that we're so sheltered that all harm, he keeps us from all harm. You say, well, well, why does bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a world. But it doesn't stop the fact that we have the right to stop its advancement. I know all of you, as much as myself, could quit in various situations. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of turmoil. It's easy to turn and run. But at some point, those who run never get to see the deliverance that God has prepared for them. Hold your ground. And when you've done all you can do to stand, the word says just do one thing. Stand. Why? Because you're hidden in him. You ain't got to do nothing. Just abide. Now listen, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you'll understand. If you're not, um, I understand that too. But at that moment when you're standing and you don't know what else to do, just pray in tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. You say, what is that? Well, we'll talk about that later. So here's what God is doing for every one of us. He is offering us to be protected when we're doing his work. And we're underneath his special protection. So the word says that God is with us. You believe that? How close is he? Well, he said that he's taken his word and he has now marked it on your consciousness and he's etched it in your heart. And I don't know that we've ever meditated on that, but Jesus himself has now been engraved on the inside of you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you because he's like a tattoo that you can't get rid of. Plus, he's not that kind of tattoo that you'd want to get rid of. He's been etched in you. That's the promise of God. It's more than him being written on pages or on a tablet. Now he's been written on your heart. That's the promise of God. So when you lay down at night and fear wants to grip your heart or darkness wants to shout at you, you have to remember that he's so near that he's been carved into you. He has been absorbed by you. And we have to become aware of that. So as you enter into the work of God, which really is the work of God, is seeing what God is doing for you through the word of God, and you enter into that work by faith. You see, we left the land of having to please God by what we do. It's not jumping through hoops and it's not jumping over hurdles. It's entering into what God is saying to you today. So like for an example, you know, I, I find myself in situations where I'm, and I'm honored, like people want to talk to me about what God is saying to them. And I think it's beautiful. What I'm realizing though, is that for me, it's not just what he's showing me, but have I exercised faith to get into what he's doing for me. So what is he doing for me? Revealing outcomes by the word. He's revealing outcomes by the word. Even though I can't see what the outcome is, the outcome is in the word. So the more I get into that promise, what he's dealing with me, what is he doing with me, the more I get into that work, the more the light is shining and the more I get to see the future. So in this place... It's called special protection. That if I'm in him and he's in me, then who can be against me? It's just amazing. All right? So here's the reality of what we're dealing with right now in this message. 
is the fear of God versus the terror of God. And I, wanna, I really want to talk about those two things with the time I have left. I want you to know that the fear of God should be your dwelling place. But I want you to know that the fear of God should also be your calling. It's the call of God to enter into the fear of God. And, the, and what you're supposed to do here is to revere and recognize the sovereignty of the Lord, but also the judgment of a holy God. And what you do in those, these moments is that you enter into his doings, and this is what promotes thanksgiving. This is what promotes worship. It's because I recognize he's God, and he's allowing me to be a part of this plan that he has. And you see his sovereignty and his justice and judgment. You see the mercy, the grace. You see everything about God. You begin to learn his character. And I wanted to share this with you. If you know his character, you'll never be terrorized of him or terrorized to be around him. I've, I've told you my stories in the past, but um, when I was a young man, newlywed, see, I was seeking the Lord. And, and man... He filled my living room to such a degree that I got terrified and I ran out the room. Boy, do I regret it. Because what, would have, what, what could have happened, what may have happened, what could I have seen if I had just stayed? But I didn't know the character of God well enough to know there was no harm in that. See, I was a young believer coming out of what I knew. I knew very little of his character and his goodness, so when he showed up in his holiness, whoa! Does that make sense? You read that through the scriptures. I mean, Mary was chosen by God, and the first thing the angel of the Lord says, Mary, don't be afraid. Why? Because, come on, fleshly men and women standing in the, in the presence of a holy God, it'll cause convulsions in your body. So that's why sometimes in church, those of you who are new to the faith and you see people there being prayed for and they fall and they go out into the power of God and you see the bodies beginning to twitch, what is that? It's people experiencing the presence of God on another level. And there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just to recognize that's God at work in their life. Pastor Michael Mele says in a lot of cases when you see somebody uh, kind of moving and trembling and stuff like that, it could be that in some cases the trauma was so deep in their life, trauma is now leaving their body. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love that. So in Gideon's day, when we revert back a little bit to the story of Gideon, Gideon and, his, and the enemies of Israel um, in this day had now come to a place that they had terrorized Israel so much that they were now destined to harvest what they sowed. Now, I want you to know something. There comes a place where God steps into human history and says, the terror that you've been putting on my people is enough. And deliverance is at hand. And in Gideon's day, I, I'm telling you what I see and I read the word, Israel was a weak and fearful people. Because their leader, Gideon, at the very beginning was weak and feeble. Come on. Gideon was caught in the wine press, harvesting his wheat when he should have been in the wheat place. But why was he hiding? Because he was afraid of being terrorized again. 
And then God called him out, and he began to show his goodness to him, and he made him into a great, mighty warrior. But even until the day of the great attack against the Midianites, God confirmed over and over and over, Gideon, this is your fight with me. We're going to take the Midians. God constantly confirmed his presence with them. But it didn't change the fact that they were in this place where terror flooded the land. And it was also, though, in the camp of the enemy. And I want you to know that we're coming into a season, and I don't know, I, listen, all I know is the prophetic word of the Lord coming into the 2020s was that in, there was going to be a 10-year plan. And what the end would look like was nothing like the beginning. 2020 through 2000, going to 2030 would be to, just totally different. We're in 24. And there's a lot of stuff going on in our land right now. A lot of stuff. And it just shows me in my world that God's on the move. But if you don't have your heart prepared, you can be caught in terror and not the fear of God. Because listen, the fear of God is a calling. But the terror that's before us is that when terror becomes a reaction that an unbelieving soul comes under when they come into the presence of an unchanging God. In other words, they don't know his nature. And I want you to take notice of the terror of God is a reaction. You got it? Now, terror is an extreme fear, violent dread. It's fright. It's fear that agitates the body and the mind. So when you're, in, when you're being terrorized, your whole being is being affected. But I want you to take notice of the fear of God. The fear of God describes the posture. Now remember, the terror of God is the reaction of a human being. But the fear of God is the posture of a believer who knows God's holy nature. And they trust. Do you understand the difference is reaction versus posture? One, I react, and one, I'm settled that he's for me and not against me no matter what comes up. It's kind of sometimes it's, it's a unique thing to think about, but in the fear of God, it's this place where you understand the nature of God and how extravagant he is in his goodness, and you learn to live in holy love all of your life. You trust him because he's holy. We serve a God. Now listen, you have to remember the word of God is filled with stories of deliverance. But you, can, you see God that it points in history. The cup of justice and judgment is full. And deliverance is at hand. And God goes to, let's use Moses and Pharaoh for an example. God goes to Moses and tells him how he's to conduct his business, God's business. So he does it fearfully, trembling in what he's called to do. So much so, he brought his brother with him, brought Aaron. And it started out with, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And he wouldn't do it. God constantly gave Moses an opportunity to repent. 
And Pharaoh wouldn't repent. Pharaoh wouldn't turn from his, his wickedness. So at some point, they're pushed to the Red Sea. We know the story. The Israelites felt like they were now entrapped. And in many cases, we may feel like we're entrapped. We're caught in a bad situation. There's no way of deliverance. The enemy's before us. The sea's behind us. The mountains are around us. We're sitting ducks with no indication or foresight that that Red Sea is about to split wide open for them. And then suddenly, the easterly wind begins to blow. The Red Sea opens. The people of God walk right through it. And then God takes out the whole army of the Egyptians. So in one day, God takes out the enemies and he feeds his people breakfast. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. Can you, I look, at some point, the potential of the children of Israel being traumatized had to be on high alert. They lived under bondage. They were enslaved. They were being driven out. They were being taken out. You look at it. It was just, they were just a people on the move. Then they felt like their whole existence, they won. It was terrible. And all of a sudden they got deliverance and they jumped and they shouted and they praised God. It was all kind of cool stuff. And then they went back to their foolishness. But it didn't change the fact that the enemies were destroyed and breakfast was provided. So in Judges chapter 7, verses 20 through 22, we find this, that there were three companies of men that were with uh, Gideon, and they blew their trumpets, they smashed their jars, and grasping the torches in their left hand and holding in their right hand their trumpets, they blew and they shouted, and the sword of the, they said this, the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And while each man held his position around the camp, all the Midians cried out as they fled, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord. All these boys had to do was hold their place, stand, be strong. When you've done all you can do, stand even more. Why? Because the Lord caused the men throughout the camp of the Midians to turn on each other with their swords, and the army fled to Beth, all these names, and you get the picture. So I want to just tell you this, that terror drives confusion. So what Satan does his best, I believe, is to drive terror upon the people of God first so that we become a confused people. But the reality is, if we stand solidified, strong in faith, knowing that we cannot be shaken when terror shows up, they turn against themselves. And I think a big picture you're going to see soon is that the enemies of this country and this generation will turn on themselves. And you better be prepared because at that point, you need your heart settled and you need to know that Jesus is your God. All right, for the sake of time, I want to read, I want to, well... Excuse me. Listen, the other day, I was, I was flipping through the channels, and I came across a Christian network. And for those of you who are older, you will recognize this name. There was a video of R.W. Shambach. And he was, 
he was singing and worshiping and praising God. And the people were responding. They were dancing and shouting and rejoicing. And listen, and to myself, I said, that looks foolish. Because the natural man, when you look at the weapons of warfare that God gives us, it's very minimal. It's like it's nothing. We're going to dance and shout. We're going to scream and run. We're going to praise our God, and the enemies are going to flee. But it's no different than God showing the Midianites there's a piece of bread that's coming off the top of that hill. It's going to roll down this hill. It's going to crash the command center of our units. And all of a sudden, once they go bunk and they go down, all of a sudden, we have no hope. That piece of bread has to be Gideon. And they all become afraid. You know, for, for many of us, as we're moving into this stage of life, you're going to have to recognize, now nobody can ever force you to do this, but you're going to have to allow yourself to become foolish in order to find the treasure that's in the foolishness. You're going to have to discover it's okay for you to close your eyes, lift your hands, and give a shout because, listen, all these soldiers did, the Bible says this, they gave the blast of the trumpet. They clattered their, their, their little pots. Immediately when the pots crash, the light that was in it shined forth. When the light shined forth, the hand of God moved and the enemies destroyed themselves. None of it makes sense. You're actually going to send 300 men to fight gazillions of people and you're going to do it with broken pots of fire inside the pot and we're going to do it with a trumpet and a piece of bread and, and we, have no, we have no weaponry. No, but that is your weaponry. So at some point, the believer has to become violent in prophetic utterance. You've got to get to the place like, listen, I'm not going to be silent. It's no different. I always say this, so please bear with me. If you've got a dog that keeps jumping in the fence and wants to just like mess in your yard, as sooner or later, when you're tired of it, you're going to go outside and you're going to start shouting. You're going to shout at the animal first, and if that don't work, you're going to shout at the neighbor. Why? Because something or someone is dumping in your yard what you don't want. Well, the devil tries to do that all the time. When are we going to stand up and shout? Well, you know, you know if, I, I just think the people will think I look stupid. I understand that. I, I, I was like that as a young believer, too. I thought... I ain't no way I'm going to that altar and kneel down and lift my hands. I mean, everybody and their mama are going to think I'm crazy. Now I don't care. You know why? Because my worship is more important than what people think of me. I know what my worship has brought forth. All right, so let me hit the last scripture. Psalms 91, verse 1. So he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, so he that dwelleth, he that makes his time, he that spends time, there's this secret place. It's the secret place of the Most High. It must be underneath his wing, underneath his care. Shall abide. Not taken by an enemy, but you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the revelation now is that since I'm abiding, 
I'm going to say something. I'm going to decree my future. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress. You alone are my God, and in you do I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from noisome pestilence. In other words, every demonic force that wants to set itself against me, I've been delivered. He shall cover me with his feathers, and under his wings shall I trust. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in the darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noontime. Listen to me, he says, it gets to this point some point. Though a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. You say, well, Pastor, what if they release a plague on the earth like they did in the past? It won't hurt us. Look, and at some point, probably everybody in here has had COVID. But we're all here. Now, we have lost some, our beloved friends. But we're getting smarter. And we're learning we don't have to become prey because we fear. So he says, only with thy eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. He says, you're only going to see it. You're not going to experience it. You're not going to have to touch it. You're just going to see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, my habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You say, what's the significance? Have you entered into this yet? Have you spent time in that promise right there long enough to drive every fear out of your life? If we're afraid of anything, we haven't spent enough time in this promise. We haven't spent enough time meditating on this and exposing it. Because listen, if it's already carved in my heart, I just got to figure out how to get it open so that I can get to it. It's already there. So I just want you to know something. The more that we learn how to deal with these things, unity within the body, if it's not broken, shakes the enemies of Christ to the foundations. Passionate faith increases terror on the enemies of Christ. And I want you to know this as we close. You personally are a miracle in making. You're a masterpiece of God's handiwork. Why are we afraid? And I'll say amen. Why don't you stand up, please? Thank you.